Ladies and gentlemen, as the man who first found a way to uh, catch an uh, individual electron, bring it to rest in free space, measure its magnetism in order to uh, study its structure, the structure of the electron, I naturally would like to tell you a little bit about it. When I was a student at the University of Göttingen, my teacher Richard Becker drew a dot on the blackboard declaring here is an electron, or rather here is an electron. Earlier, the uh, famous physicist Heisenberg had um, admonished his colleagues to uh, concern themselves with uh, observable objects. Thus, I began to wonder how to duplicate Becker's blackboard localization feed in the laboratory. As a freshly appointed assistant professor at the University of Washington, I had my first chance to actually do something about this. In earlier work, I had used penning discharge uh, vacuum gauges. And now it occurred to me that such a panning gauge might be able to trap electrons for seconds or so, uh, provided that one operated it at a much, much lower voltage than uh, usual. After a simple test confirmed my hunch, I built my first penning trap tube to catch electrons. In uh, such a uh, uh, penning trap tube, the electrons are confined very much like marbles which move back and forth in a bowl. Now, uh, the uh, frequency of the motion of the electrons moving back and forth in their uh, bowl fell into the radio range. Thus, by tuning a radio receiver to this characteristic frequency, I was able to detect the motion of the electrons. The electrons gave off all the energy of motion and thereby came to rest. They gave off the energy of motion to the 
antenna circuit used for their detection. With two associates, I made the same scheme work for an individual electron in 1973. In 1976, we performed our first measurement of the magnetism of this individual electron. Now, the magnetism of the electron is very important because it provides information on the structure of the electron. The big, ex uh, the big particle accelerators you read so much about in the newspapers so far have not yet succeeded in uh, knocking a, quarter a quark apart or producing electron fragments. However, our latest 1987 measurement of the elect electron magnetism, in this measurement, we have found a value which is a tiny bit larger than the theoretical one. This provides the hint that the electron may be a composite particle. In a simple theoretical model, the electron is seen as, uh, as composed of three subquarks. Each of these subquarks is 10 billion times heavier than the electron. However, when the three subquarks are allowed to come together and to form the much lighter electron, the huge max mass excess is simply radiated off. In the speculation, and I emphasize that this is a speculation, I have extended this model in the following way. In the sequence, triton, proton, quark-electron, and subquark, we have run into the first four members of an infinite regression of ever smaller and ever heavier new particles. These, however, these uh, new sub-sub and sub-sub-sub and so on quarks have been realized in nature only up to the cosmon. The cosmon is the heaviest particle ever to appear uh, in this universe. At the beginning of the world, a lone cosmon-anti-cosmon pair or cosmonium atom of uh, zero of zero mass energy 
was formed the cosmonium atom then exploded and in the big bang created the universe it is widely believed today that even today the total mass energy in the universe is zero uh, with uh, this uh, startling idea I should like to leave you now and uh, thank you for your attention and uh, encourage questions, questions from the audience. Uh, yes, Dr. Daymelt, my name is Ryan Grant from Modesto, California. I'd like to know uh, some of the research in, uh, in physics of which you are a part, uh, certainly led to some uh, informative discoveries about the way things work and the, uh, how our universe began. Uh, but there are many who had criticized that um, your research has no practical purpose and this money could better be spent uh, in the medical field or to uh, help with other problems like the homeless. What is your response to that? My response would be the same which uh, Michael Faraday would have given when he was playing with his magnet needles, induction coils, bits of wire, and batteries. Front mic here in the center, please. Go ahead. Yes. Hi, my name is Justin Bernold, and I'm from Fairfield, Connecticut. I've heard a lot about universities as being a place where it's kind of publish or perish. Now, obviously, you've done a lot of research. I doubt we have to worry about you perishing. But I was wondering, how much time do you find to spend in teaching? And do you feel that scientists of your caliber have a responsibility to share their talents, not just through publishing, but through teaching? Well, uh, as you may have noticed in my talk, I did occasionally refer to associates. These were younger associates. They were undergraduates. Uh, they were graduate students, and they were postdocs. So the research activity is very closely linked with teaching. Besides that, of course, I have also taught my regular large classes. So uh, one, uh, one is uh, uh, you... Uh, cannot be a good teacher without also having, uh, having your finger in the soup of research. Thank you. Yes, my name is Tyson Cram. I'm from Overland Park, Kansas. And what areas of physical research should be or will be important in the near future? Well, I think uh, uh, that is uh, not easy to answer. Uh, you make the most important areas in physics. <clears throat> <laughs> Not easy, but short. Last question. My name is Dan Elfenbein from Tampa, Florida. Can a physicist a mind of your stature ever retire and stop thinking about physics? I find it difficult. <laughs> also, I don't have quite to retire yet. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.